0: The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against the evildoers, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalms 34, verses 15 through 19. Well, I'm very happy that you came back tonight. That's good. Um, I appreciate your being here, and there's been, been mentioned that there are visitors. We thank you for being here. And again, if you're not a member of the Church of Christ, we're really glad that you've come. We're glad to see the members that are here. We appreciate your presence, appreciate your encouragement. We look forward to the few days that we have together to study the Word of God together. Again, thank you so much for inviting me to come. I appreciate the confidence that you have in me to ask me to come. And I hope that I do not betray that confidence in any way, but proclaim to you the Word of God and its truth, and its simplicity. Again, thank you so much. Jesus can heal all of our spiritual sicknesses. We talked about today, about the significance of Jesus healing all the physical sick, all the abnormalities, all of the difficulties that people had. Jesus healed them all. And it obviously was the point he was trying to make. If He could forgive all of their physical problems, He can forgive our sins. And He does forgive our sins. He forgives all of our sins, all of our transgressions. What a beautiful hope that we have in Jesus Christ, this great and awesome forgiveness. Well, tonight we want to talk just a little bit about the idea of why does God allow Life's pains to continue. We discussed this morning about the beginning of sin and pain and sorrow, guilt and shame in this old world. We read in the book of Genesis about how it all got started. And sin is the basis of all the evils that we have in this world. And I think it's important for us as we think just a little bit this evening about the argument that is used by so many to disprove the existence of God or the power of God, when things like this are said, if there is an omnipotent, all-loving God, why does He allow suffering in the world? I remember having a Bible study with a Buddhist one time, and this was his greatest argument. Is that surely God, if He is an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God... He certainly would not allow all the difficulties and problems of war, famine, and sickness to be so prominent in this life. I think it's not only a question that those who are agnostic, those who are atheistic or modernistic against Christ and against God and against His Word, but even times, there are times that even children of God question the very love of God, and why did this happen to me? Why has God allowed this terrible thing to come upon me? Well, tonight, I don't know that I will answer all of your questions. But I would like for us to think very seriously about the rhyme and the reason why God allows things to continue as they are. I think maybe the first place that we need to begin and think about is that it is, as we talked about this morning, it is the consequence of sin in this old world. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. If you've ever suffered pain, if you've ever been through difficulties, if you've ever had the loss of a loved one, I think all of us have been touched by grief and touched by pains that maybe we just don't understand. I want to say to us again, I want to emphasize to one and all something that's very important for us to understand. God did not create evil. God did not create evil. God did not create sin. God did not create the devil as an evil being. I believe that all things that God created, the Genesis account would say, and the rest of his great word would bear up, that everything that God created is good. And God is the ultimate of good. He did not create evil or sin. Somebody says, but, but why is the how is the devil even existing if he did not create evil? And that has been a tremendous question to try to answer. And my best and easiest answer is simply this. From passages like in Psalms 148, verses 1 through 5, we learn that the psalmist says that all things have been created by God. And in that passage, he includes angels. Angels are created beings. It is my belief that the devil is a created angel. In Colossians 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, For in him, that is Christ, some of your versions say, for by him All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and He is above all things, and holds all things together. You see, Jesus Christ is the Creator. He is the I Am. When the text says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth... That word God is Elohim. It is a plural noun. We see that in verse 26. Let us make man in our image. And it is significant that God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three divine beings, yet acting as one, united, God, created all things. And that includes the devil. But not as an evil being, but he was created as a good being. Remembering the bases, all things created of God is good. We read in the book of Jude chapter 6 and also in Peter's letter, epistle, that there were angels created good that fell, left their proper domain. And they became evil, were cast out. They become the arch enemies of God. Now, most of us, when we've thought about that and looked at that, there are very few passages for us to look at. But I would think if we reason through the idea, if we understand and believe the truth that God's Word presents, that God is good, God created all things good, the devil exists, he was created good and went bad, makes the most sense. Well, why then does God allow the devil and his angels, who chose evil rather than good, why does he allow them to continue? Well, we studied this morning, and we touched upon it just a bit. The very idea that it gives us a choice. God allows us a choice. And I hope that you understand as we look at these very concepts that God has used throughout the centuries, God has used evil men and even the devil himself to bring about his purposes for the good of man. When you read in the book of Isaiah chapter 10, You will see there that Isaiah speaks of the Assyrians who were a wicked people. God used the Assyrians to bring a judgment upon His people, the children of Israel. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, we see there that Habakkuk is as well confused because God has chosen the Chaldeans, a wicked people, to bring a judgment upon God's people, the children of Judah. We see then that God says, I will judge Assyria for what they have done. I will judge the Chaldeans for what they have done. You see, nobody gets away with it. But God in His, in His providence, in His care, in His working and running the universe, He uses even the devil and evil men. To bring about his good purpose. And I need not but give you one more example. Judas Iscariot. May I suggest to us as we consider this great topic. There is so much more that we do not know. There is so much more that we do not understand. And our last lesson of this series on Wednesday night will simply be this. We need to stop worrying And we need to trust God. He's still on the throne and He's ruling. I can't answer all the questions. I don't even understand all the questions. But I do trust in one that knows all things and does all things for the good of those that love Him. A second thing that I would like us to consider is that God allows things to continue as they are, to accomplish really His will and purpose for man. And that's pretty significant. In the book of Genesis, I spoke uh, to someone at lunch today about this particular study that we're having where I preach regularly in North Alabama. We've been studying the life of Joseph. Joseph went through a lot of difficulties. And as best I can see, Joseph was a good man. And yet what we learn from Joseph is that God allowed him to be a separated from his his family. He winds up in Egypt, he winds up in jail, he is mistreated, and he is abused. But then he winds up second in command over all of Egypt. And when his brothers come to see him, there would have been an opportune time for revenge and and for him to 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 get back at his brothers for how they had treated him but do you remember the sweet disposition of joseph joseph had lived long enough to understand that god was with him how else could he interpret pharaoh's dreams he knew that god was with him but he also knew that he was getting a bad deal in regards to how he was being treated. But finally, when he gets the blessings of God, and God places him in the place of authority, he tells his brothers this simple little thing. Don't be afraid. You meant it for bad for me. You treated me bad. But God meant it for good. God used you to put me in a place to save you. Now, when you stop to think about that, if we were going to write the script for how God could save His people, we would have not written it that way. God does things that's above and beyond our way of thinking. And it's important for us to understand when we stop and question everything that God does, how He does it, it is likened to the clay saying to the potter, why have you made me this way? It's important for us as children of God when we have great faith in God, and yes, we must have great faith in God, to understand that God is accomplishing something in us, with us, and for us that is ultimately to our good. But it might not at the moment seem so good. One last example. Jesus Christ in all that He suffered. I hope you understand that Jesus Christ, when He was in the garden, he asked, the God, he asked His Father three times, Let this cup pass from me. We see both the humanity of Jesus and we see the divinity of Jesus in this scene. We see the humanity of Jesus in the sense that He, just like me, just like you, as a person, as a human being, would not want to suffer what He knew He was going to suffer. He asked God, if there's a plan B, if there's another way, please let that other way happen. But yet, God even said to His own Son, No. Jesus obeyed the will of His Father. And He died upon the cross, suffering because that was what's best for us. I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews just for a moment and notice a couple of passages that might help us understand this a little bit better. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 10, the writer says, For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation. Some versions have the captain of our salvation through sufferings. But I want you to skip down to verse 17 and 18. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You know the beauty of the suffering of Jesus Christ? Why God allowed that to continue? It's for my good. We can pray to God through Jesus Christ, who is our mediator, who is our high priest. And because Jesus has been there, done that, He knows how to come to our aid and our help in our time of need. I might just use that to say this. We go through difficulties and problems. If we trust God, we come to the other side of that and we're better for it. And now on the other side, we can help those that are going through it now. Please understand that when you are dealt a lemon, we always have a choice. We can be bitter about it or we can make lemonade. The difference is between your ears, it's your faith, it's your trust in God. Brother and sister in Christ, God never promised us as Christians. That we would live in this life in a bed of roses. God never promised that there would always be blue skies. Yet, He promised just the opposite. We would have difficulties. There would be persecution. We would suffer. He allows all of these things to happen. And it benefits us. Sometimes when we go through it, we can help others. May I also suggest to us, it helps us to keep humble. We're reminded of the Apostle Paul and how that when he suffered, he suffered greatly. I remember that the Apostle Paul recalled that the things that he was going to suffer became a little bit ironic. The fact that Saul of Tarsus had persecuted so many Christians... And Jesus replies and says, I will show him how much he must suffer for me and the kingdom. And yet we find in the book of 2 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul listed in chapter 11 a number of ways in which he had suffered from shipwrecks to beatings to imprisonments. He had suffered so much for the cause of Jesus Christ. But I want to suggest to us, that maybe one of the greatest things that he suffered as a child of God is recorded for us in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. And that is the thorn in the flesh. Now, when we think about this thorn in the flesh, I'm not sure what that is, and neither are you. We're not told. But if you would just think about, for a moment, a thorn in the flesh, that equals Ouch. That hurts. So whatever the thorn was, it hurt. Notice the text says that it was a messenger of Satan. Notice that God said no to Paul who asked that it be removed. God answers and says, my grace is sufficient for you. was actually saying to Paul you need this thorn in the flesh that you might remain humble if you think about that for a few moments Paul was indeed a great soldier in the Lord's army he accomplished so much more than so many others and he even says even ...of the apostles themselves. He worked more, did more, went more than any of the others. So he could have, and maybe he had just a little bit of an angle that he might go that way... ...and God allowed Satan to stick a thorn in him. I call that in my life, not exactly apples to apples... But you brag on me, oh, Brother Salee, you did wonderful. My head gets big, my wife has a big pen, and she goes, pow! She bursts my bubble and she brings me back down to reality, right? Not exactly apples to apples to Paul. But I will say this. Paul understood why God gave or allowed, not give, but allowed the thorn from Satan, to remain because it would keep him humble. Have you ever thought about that what you suffer and what you go through, what you have to deal with, God just might be keeping you humble? And what do you say to God about something like that? Now, Paul asked God three times about that. God said no three times. So after the third time, do you ask any more when God says no? Now what do you say? Thank you, Lord. Wow, how tough is it to change our disposition from asking God to rid something from us, and yet God says, it's good for you. Can we go from get rid of this, I don't want this in my life, to thank you, Lord, for allowing this to continue to be a thorn in my flesh. You see, it's it's a mental process that all of us have to go through. You have to really start to understand that the things that are in your life are either going to lead you away from God or toward God. You have to make up your mind which it's going to be, because you will decide. God gives us the right, the power, and the ability to decide. So it's important for us to understand that God allows difficulties to continue in our lives, And what he's intending, he's intending for us to use this to be better, to grow, to be more mature. Can you thank the Lord for your problems? Now that's a twist. We pray constantly, Lord, please get rid of our problems. Lord, please heal us of this. Please take this thorn away. Please take away this difficulty. But would we ever pray to God and say, Thank you, Lord, for giving me this thorn. Because now I know how dependent I am upon you. I need you to help me deal with this. It's a different way of thinking. The Bible teaches that God allows difficulties to continue because, as our children, it is a means by which He corrects us. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I remember when I first started preaching many, many years ago. I was working with a brother who was a mentor to me, Brother H.E. Phillips. Many years ago, he and James P. Miller started the Searching the Scriptures. and He wrote the book, Elders and Deacons. and You may have a copy of that even in your library today. I remember reading my Bible and I come to Hebrews chapter 12 and I asked him, I said, Brother Phillips, would you mind telling me what the discipline of the Lord is here in Hebrews 12? And he looked at me and he says, I have no idea. That really kind of took me back a little bit because he was supposed to know all the answers, you know. And I'm not sure what all the answers are. It may be in a very generic way. But I'm going to suggest something to you as we read beginning in verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Did you hear that? Remember today, I ask you, do you believe in God? Do you believe God? Believe this, God disciplines those who love Him. He scourges every son whom He receives. You know what scourging is, right? That's what happened to Jesus. They scourged Him. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then are you illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as seeing best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees. That are feeble. Quick little story. <clears throat> my son, he was probably five, six years old, something like that, and he had disobeyed me, and this required some discipline. And I had a green monster. It's uh, it's it was a fraternity. It is, it is. I still have it. Use it for my grandsons too. Uh, it's about this long. It's about this wide, and it's about this thick, and it's green. I call it the green monster. And it will light you up. Alright? I told him, you're going to get two licks with the green monster. Oh, he freaked out. He just like, no, Dad, no, no. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, Dad, I think one will do it. Now, I thought that was a little funny myself. He thought one would do it. I'm thinking as a dad, okay, if I'm just going to give him one instead of two, this one's going to be a good one, you know. Now, i have used it on myself. I don't believe in beating kids or in any way abusing kids. Anybody that does needs to go to jail. So I tested it on myself. You don't have to rear back too much. For it to give a 45 colt bang. We went into his room. He laid over his bed. Bam! I hit him and it popped like a firecracker. He jumped up, grabbed his behind, and he circled around a couple times like this. And he looked at me and big old crocodile tears coming down his face. He smiled real big and he said, Thank you, Daddy. Now you think about that just for a moment. One lick from the green monster brought tears to a five or six year old. And his behind was burning, I know. And he thanked me. Years have gone by. Years. son is 36 now been a few years ago, he said to me one time, we had a conversation, Dad, I want to talk to you about the way you raised me. And I thought, oh boy, here it goes. He said, Dad, you were really hard on me. And I said, yes, sir, I was. Because you was a tough nut. He says, Dad, I appreciate it. You needed to be hard, and I appreciate you being hard on me. I need it. Well, I'm going to tell you what now. I'm not a crier. I started to kind of choke up a little bit. Now, I told you that to tell you this. God can hit us with the green monster two or three times. And it's going to hurt like crazy. But do you know why he does that? Same reason I was so hard on my son. Because I loved him. And I wanted to do right. So when God disciplines us, what is discipline, Brother Slee? Exactly. Whatever God uses, even if it's from the devil, He allows it to happen to correct us. And to save your soul. Because it's in that moment. That we're supposed to realize. That God loves us. and He's allowing that to happen. So we'll do better. If you can't get your attitude. Wrapped around. Discipline. In that way. Then you're going to be bitter and angry. All of your life at God. You're going to blame him for Everything. You're gonna ask, why me, Lord? When actually, here's what you often say. Thank you, Lord, for loving me so much and disciplining me and helping me to do better. What is your attitude about discipline? You for it or against it? Oh, you young parents out here with your kids. You believe in discipline? Go back and read the book of Proverbs. Be careful that you do not throw away the wisdom of God. Those that spare the rod hate the child. Understand that God our Father does not spare the rod. That's why He allows all these things to continue in our lives. When we think about the idea of preparing for greater blessings, making us stronger, I want you to know that God does set limits. Just like I set a limit with my son, because I knew the power of this paddle. Some parents get very angry with their children And they hurt their children. And that's wrong. But God, He loves us. And He knows how much we can take. You think of the worst possible thing that has ever happened in your life. And you may be young enough that anything really bad may not have happened yet. I want to say to you in all love and all candor, prepare yourself, it will happen. And it might be a number of somethings will happen. But understand that life is no respecter of persons. Neither is death. Neither is cancer. Neither is family issues. Neither is church issues. The, The reality of the fact that we live in such a world as we live in, it's important for us to understand That ultimately, when we go through whatever difficulties and problems, we need to understand that there is a blessing ahead. There is something that is beyond. That God, who knows all things and has prepared all things, helps us to see when we do not see it ourselves. One quick example. Job. Job was a man... And it it just really kind of just messes with your mind when you go back and read the book of Job and to realize that God and Satan have a conversation. But they have a conversation. And it's about Job. And Job is a very wealthy man. And he has many blessings. You, You remember the story, right? It is the book of James that records to us that Job's patience... Is to be this bar that is set up for the rest of us to emulate. It is the book of Job that teaches us and shows us that even when the devil took away all that Job had and left him with all of these boils and he sets in ashes and he takes pot potsherds and he scrapes his wounds with it and his wife, his faithful companion, tells him to curse God and die. How could it get any worse? Yet in all of that, Job retained his integrity with God. He did not sin against God, nor did he blame God. He went through all of that. And in the very end, the text says that God blessed him more than Job had ever had before. I want you to think about that just for a moment. You have no promise of a mansion here. You have no promise of a job that makes millions of dollars here. You have no promise of all these kinds of physical kinds of things. But us in the United States of America, we are greatly blessed and wealthier and have more things than the majority of people on this planet. What we have today, what all of us have today here by average is more than the majority of people on this planet will ever have. We are greatly blessed. Now, if God, God allowed everything that we have to be taken from us, would you still serve Him? If you wind up with no house, no job, no anything, poor health, would you still serve God? If you were persecuted for being a Christian and you had to live in some cave and you had to eat rats, would you still love God? Would you still serve Him? Do you not understand, brother and sister in Christ, that God allows these things to happen because ultimately He is going to bless us so much more over there than we've ever had before? Do we serve God just for the goodies? Or do we serve Him because we love Him? Because we trust Him? We want to uh, please Him in every way. You see, that was the argument that God and Satan were having. What did Job prove? Job didn't serve God and have an integrity in Him just because God had blessed him. I'm fearful, brethren, for us. I'm fearful for all of us. Brother Danny goes overseas. I've been overseas. Probably, you've been overseas too, Josh? Well, these brethren you preach here long, they'll send you overseas. Anyway, I'm <clears throat> no, just kidding. You know, you go overseas and you preach and you teach. and you go to a third world country? I come back home and I'm embarrassed what I've got. It's embarrassing. You know why it's embarrassing to me? But you go over there to see people that have nothing. And they will walk for miles and come and listen to a gospel, and they don't want a one, two, three, come to Jesus 20 minute sermon. They want a bucket load. They want you to fill their bucket up. They want the word. And they're not there for a handout, they're not there for money. And you know what? They are as happy as they can be. And they have nothing. And then we come back home to our beauty. And I'm not belittling. I'm not casting aside that this is wrong or anything where we're at. I'm just saying. Then we sit here and we pray to God. And we pray for those in difficult places. As well we should. There are people in difficult places. But I'm going to tell you what the Lord said. It is easier. For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. I want to ask you a question. Who has the greatest temptation or stumbling block in going to heaven? Third world country people or us? Who are in difficult places, brethren? We are. Because our stuff and things lead us away from our God. Do you know why God allows things to continue as they are? He wants us to trust Him more. To remind us of the nature, of our nature, that we are just physical. It can all go away. When my parents died, we had an auction. Sold off all of their stuff. And my mom and dad treasured all of their stuff. And I remember the whole time I was growing up, things that they had in their home. You know, as kids, grandkids weren't supposed to touch it. You know, put your fingerprints on it. They had carpet. You weren't supposed to walk on it with your shoes. And when they died, guess what? People walking all over it with their shoes. People touching and getting their fingerprints on it. You know what? It's just stuff. It's just furniture. It just don't matter. Because that's not what's important. You know what God tries to say to us in all of these difficulties and problems? This is just physical. It doesn't amount to nothing. Sometimes it takes difficulties for us to realize that. That stuff ain't important. The richest of people, when they go through difficulties of of health, they would give every dime they have to be healthy. We are greatly blessed. I've got to quit because I'm going to be preaching all night. Really, one of the most important parts of the lesson I want to close with. We'll emphasize this a little bit more tomorrow night. When life's pains come, there are just a few things that are essential to keep your sanity. Number one, you must always talk to God about it. When Hannah had issues about having children, what did she do? She prayed to God. When Jonah wound up in the whale's belly, what did he do? He prayed to God. What are you going to do when you get into a problem? If any among you suffer, let him, what? Pray. James 4. James 5 verse 13. And you need to listen to God. The words of God. His word is written. Thy words have I treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You may be sitting in an ash heap and all you have and all you can do is to scrape your wounds. But you can lift up your eyes unto God and you can pray unto your Father and you can listen through His Word as He speaks to you words of encouragement and trust. Don't ever give up listening to God. Thirdly, wait on the Lord simply means that you trust the Lord. Wait on the lord allow him to work whatever he's going to work and lastly spend time with god's people it's a wonderful blessing to have people that love the lord to have people to encourage you and have people that will reprove you have people that will rebuke you you know what a true brother in jesus christ is someone that will lovingly look right at you and say, you're wrong. But when you're not wrong, that same brother will look right at you and say, I love you and keep on keeping on. We need each other in times of difficulties, in times of problems. I hope and pray, dear brethren, that you understand things are not going to get better in this world. Things are going to get worse. Now what? Maybe you need to stop watching the news. Maybe you just need to stop worrying about what President Trump's going to do next. Forget about Kung Jung Fu, Wing Ling, or whatever his name is over there. Rocket man. Forget about him. Is there anything you can do about it anyway? Except this. Pray to the one who's in control of all things. Put your faith and trust in him. And do all that you can to serve him with all of your heart. God will take care of the rest. He'll take care of it. Trust him. And if you're suffering, talk to God about it. Listen to God about it. Wait on the Lord. There are blessings to come. Maybe not now. For Lazarus, it wasn't in this lifetime. He was carried into Abraham's bosom. What a blessing that was. Wouldn't you love to be carried into Abraham's bosom? That great day comes. Then all of this is not important. It won't matter what car you drove. It won't matter what house you had. It won't matter that you didn't get to go to Hawaii or Alaska. In heaven, none of this will matter. You've listened so well. I've been a little bit long-winded. I apologize for how long it took me to say it. But I hope and pray that everything that I've said has been true. If you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to become one even tonight. To be a child of God. To put him on in baptism for the remission of your sins. That's a tremendous commitment. That's a tremendous commitment. To be obedient to Jesus Christ. What blessings. What blessings it is. To be forgiven of all of your sins. We can help you in any way tonight. Why not you come as we stand and sing.